Well, hello, and uh, welcome back to this week's episode of the uh, Cincy Reformed Podcast. Uh, Pastor Zach here with you uh, this week, and I have a, a special guest with me, not the ordinary uh, Brandon Burks, but I have with me a friend of mine uh, for many years now in classes Eastern U.S. of the United Reformed Churches, a friend uh, named Sam Perez. He is uh, a fellow church planter, and uh, we're going to be talking with him today about uh, the recent milestone that uh, Grace Reformed Church in Jersey City uh, reached, and uh, that milestone is called organizing or organization. Now, that doesn't mean that they were uh, disorganized before and uh, just a, a rowdy bunch or something like that, but uh, what it means is that they have transitioned from being a mission work, a church plant, into being a church with its own uh, consistory, that is, a body of elders, and I believe they're also preparing in the not-so-distant future to have some deacons as well to serve within uh, the congregation. But we'll hear more of that in a second. Uh, Sam, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Well, as we get started here, I mean, I know about your background, but uh, I'm sure that our audience does not, or very few of them do. So would you mind just uh, introducing us to how you found your way into the um, United Reformed Churches uh, I can tell by your last name that you are, like me, a, a Gentile outsider to what is oftentimes a, a Dutch church. And so, um, but your congregation is not Dutch, mine's not Dutch. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how uh, you came into the URC? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, when I went to Westminster, uh, I had some classmates get around and say I was uh, Sam Van Perez Meninga. Um, <laughs> just because uh, I was not Dutch, but I uh, held on to the best of our Dutch Reformed tradition. Uh, I, I'm Hispanic, so my mom's from El Salvador. My dad's from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in New York, um, and that's where I lived uh, for the first 30 years of my life. Um, most Hispanics in New York City are either Pentecostal or uh, Roman, uh, Roman Catholic, and uh, my family was no exception. My parents were both um, credo Catholics. My mom came to the Lord uh, just at the time when I was uh, born and um, was converted into a Pentecostal church. And that's where I was for the first uh, 19, 20 years of my life. That's pretty much all I knew. Um, I was part of the praise band. I was a drummer. I was a you know, youth group leader, uh, very involved in the Pentecostal church. But um, around the time I started college and um, started uh, trying to ask the question, why am I Pentecostal? Uh, I realized I, I really wasn't. And I didn't know what I was. I just knew I wasn't Pentecostal. <laughs> and so through a series of providences, uh, listening to Christian radio here in New York City, um, R.C. Sproul's um, radio ministry, John MacArthur. Uh, I also discovered John Piper online. Um, I realized that I was probably more drawn to Calvinism, um, you know, kind of the broad five-point, you know, soteriological Calvinism that's very popular today. Uh, and then I listened, I kept listening to Christian radio, came across a, a man named Paul Murphy, uh, in early 2003, and um, Messiah's Reformed Fellowship, a member congregation in the URC, and Paul Murphy, perhaps a, a name known to perhaps some of your audience, um, had just planted in New York City. And so a group of friends and I made our way down to Messiah's. 
Um, we were checking out different churches, and um, we realized, yeah, Messiah is probably going to be our home um, for the time to come. And, of course, you know, long story short, uh, Messiah became our very dear home, uh, and even to this day, uh, we consider Messiah a dear congregation, and, of course, our mother church in the, in the church planting um, uh, way of speaking, right? They planted us in Jersey City. So um, I like to say, you know, I kind of became Reformed by accident, but um, uh, stayed Reformed by conviction and by principle. So, um, you know, that God moves, of course, in mysterious ways, but that's, that's a little bit of our story, uh, of my story, you know, how I became uh, to be a part of the URC. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad to know that you have an honorary Dutch name also. Uh, I tend to uh, refer to myself as Zach Vanderwise, so to uh, <laughs> try <good>. to uh, <laughs> fit in every once in a while. But um, the, uh, would you mind uh, just telling us a bit about your family as well? Yeah, um, I met my wife at Westminster. Uh, West, uh, Messiah sent me to seminary uh, in Philadelphia, the Westminster Theological Seminary. Uh, or as some people call it Eastminster. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she was there for, for some theological education. Uh, she'd been raised kind of in the Bible, uh, uh, Bible uh, uh, church movement in the Midwest and became a member of the PCA in her home uh, in Florida with her parents. And um, yeah, I wanted some more theological education, had worked a little bit with at the PCA and the MTW over two consecutive summers in Germany, and uh, met her there. Uh, we got married uh, in 2011. Uh, that was um, our first year of marriage was my last year in seminary. And then God has blessed us since that time with eight precious children. And uh, yeah, we're very grateful to God that uh, he has sustained us even as I started uh, to plant and help plant the church. We were also beginning our family. So uh, God has been uh, very merciful to us over these many years. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, thanks for telling us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure that's going to help people to just kind of know who we're, I'm talking to right now. Uh, but not to kind of get into the uh, church plant itself. You mentioned being a part of Messiah's Reformed Fellowship, and that's in Manhattan. And then you went off as a church planter in Jersey City. And uh, maybe you could sketch out a little bit of the proximity of Jersey City to Manhattan. Uh, some, us Midwesterners don't really know the East Coast all that well. And uh, maybe you could also talk about why you were targeting a Jersey City for a church plant. Sure. Yeah, happy to do so. Um, so Jersey City is literally right across the river. Uh, that would be the Hudson River from New York City. There's a tunnel that unites them. It's called the Holland Tunnel. So, you know, as the crow flies, um, it's about a mile away from New York City. Um, it's psychologically probably worlds away. You know, New York and New Jersey, these two states oftentimes don't have any love and loss for each other. Um, but at Messiah's, we were looking at two areas and uh, one in New York State and then another in uh, Jersey, uh, on the Jersey side of the Hudson. And again, by God's providence, we wanted something that was, uh, you know, we, we looked at a couple of criteria, you know, in order to plant, and either site could have fit the, the bill here. 
Uh, we were looking at something that had people. So we, we were looking at a more urban uh, as opposed to a less urban area. We wanted a place where uh, I could I could speak the language, not just the English language, but in terms of the cultural language. Um, we wanted a place that was proximate to messiahs. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of cities that perhaps could have worked. You know, I think of maybe Philadelphia or Boston, but they were not proximate to uh, messiahs. I think that was an important part of our thinking that we wanted it um, real kind of direct oversight, you know, the ability of our elders to visit and to meet and interview prospective members. And, um, you know, geographical proximity uh, absolutely helps with that. And then perhaps the most important uh, criterion we had was that there not be a reformed church uh, in the area we were planting. And so we looked at um, Jersey City. Jersey City is found in Hudson County. And we didn't really find um, churches, reformed churches in Hudson County. There was a PCA church in another city in Hudson County, um, but nothing, nothing in Jersey City proper. Uh, and this, of course, you know, is part of our uh, Nay Park polity agreement that we would not, you know, plant in another man's, um, uh, you know, mission field, so to speak, or in another church's mission field. So we wanted to be respectful of of those dynamics on the ground um but um all that simply to say that we saw jersey city we saw this other place in um new york state as as good sites to plant um and again in god's providence the core group of one uh materialized probably very well and that's the the jersey uh side um the core group there and and so we said, you know, by God's grace, let's do it here. Um, let's plant in Jersey City and um, kind of in the central part of that city. Excellent. And so could you just walk us through a little bit about how a church plant in Jersey City is going to look somewhat different in some ways to, I'm sure, the church plant in Messiah's, uh, in Manhattan, pardon me, uh, Messiah's Reformed Fellowship. And then that would also look different from other church plants. For example, we are planting a church in Madison, Indiana right now. Uh, there's one in Indianapolis, Indiana. There are others that might be even more rural than Madison is. But how might, um, how might you, you know, how did you approach then uh, Jersey City and what kinds of things were in your mind in terms of what it looks like to plant a, uh, a church there to be faithful, to be respectful of the culture and so forth? Yeah, uh, great questions. Um, so... You know, I think there's a little bit of a chicken and egg dilemma oftentimes, you know, with church planting. It's not really a dilemma. It's just a challenge that uh, has to be thought through. Um, you know, we had a certain core group and perhaps a certain target in mind. You know, we wanted um, to be a church, you know, and, and these cliched uh, phrases perhaps are uh, helpful to, to mention here, you know, in the city, for the city. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not necessarily adopting that whole mindset and what that represents, but we want it to be a church where all manner of sinners uh, are welcomed. Right. And, um, Amen. you know, the, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, the demographic breakdown is not that unsimilar from New York city, 
Jersey City has a quarter, you know, again, uh, in terms of ethnicity, to use these these terms, you know, a quarter of it is white, a quarter of it is pan-Hispanic, you know, from all sorts of countries, you know, Mexico down to the south. Uh, a quarter of it is African-American, and then a quarter of Jersey City is uh, kind of pan-Asian. Um, and then we have a sizable Coptic population. Uh, I, I don't know where you would put them there, maybe in the... the um, non-American-born group uh, of immigrants, you know. So, uh, and that's kind of roughly, it's not a strict 25%, but it's roughly that in uh, Jersey City. It's also a city, un, you know, not unlike New York City, um, that runs the gamut socioeconomically um, from, you know, elite, millionaire, professional class uh, to, you know, just uh, impoverished underclass um, and then everything in between, you know, middle class and so on and so forth. Um, religiously, it has a diversity of beliefs. It has um, kind of your secular atheists. It has a sizable Hindu population, a sizable Muslim population. It has, in terms of churches, um, kind of three kinds of churches, your, your mainline church, uh, which is, you know, just incredibly liberal and progressive. Uh, we oftentimes get mixed up with a church also called Grace Church, but they're uh, part of the Episcopal Communion, and they have uh, a lesbian minister. So <laughs> we've oftentimes fielded over 10 years um, calls from people who are looking for that church, and we, we just tell them, oh, we're, we're a different church. Um, but uh, And then you have, secondly, kind of your museum-type churches, you know, your Eastern Orthodox, Coptic Roman Catholic Church, uh, and then thirdly, your broad evangelical, you know, worshiptainment um, kind of church. And then in that mix, we have us, we, you know, there's Grace Reformed Church that's not unlike, or, or is completely in many ways, unlike uh, all those three churches. Um, there are perhaps superficial similarities, but, you know, uh, materially, we are very different from um, all, all three churches. So uh, we, we thought, you know, something like Grace Reformed Church is absolutely necessary and will be attractive in um, a place like Jersey City. Uh, and what we found out is that it was necessary and it's attractive to some people in Jersey City. Um, people have to be convinced of the dead end nature of those types of communions I just mentioned, you know, the main line, the, the dead museum church, and then also the broad evangelical way. And I think for people who have um, kind of had a bad aftertaste in their mouths, spiritually speaking, from those churches, especially the evangelical churches, I think they come in with an appetite for the Reformed faith, and they see the, the logic of biblical theology and Reformed theology rightly understood and um you know they they have an appreciation already kind of baked in for the genius of reformed polity reformed worship reformed theology and and reformed uh, piety so um over the years you know as you can probably testify and probably most church planners reformed church planners in north america it's a slow uh, and hard work it's a good work but it's not going to 
you know, um, gain much hearing um, in our day, uh, given, you know, all the, the tickled ears and uh, the enthusiasms um, that are proffered uh, in evangelical uh, evangelicalism in our day. So, uh, but what we've seen is God bless this work with um, faithfulness and hardiness among the members and regular attendees on their way to membership. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of seen that in many ways we started with a target audience, but God has given us kind of the people um, to, to minister to. And we've found that usually uh, there's a, a mixture of families with young children there are many singles that we've seen uh, join the church over the years, and there's usually a younger side to the congregation. You know, we don't have a lot of older folks as well. So um, that that's probably where we're at right now, and uh, we're happy to minister, of course, as I said before, to anyone who comes, um, you know, to, to Grace Reformed Church. But those are the folks that I think we've seen over the years. Excellent. And you, um, I'm, I'm certain that your congregation maybe looks a little bit different than the ordinary uh, United Reformed Church, just given simply where you are. But I'm sure there's also a lot of uh, similarities in terms of how you go about ministry, even in an urban context like that, um, that there's going to be something that um, uh, translates to you know, Cincinnati, to Madison, to other places around uh, North America, to, uh, you know, to, to Mexico, so what were some of the things then that you would point to in terms of uh, non-negotiables that transfer um, into the more urban context in Grace Reformed that would be very much recognizable to people outside of Jersey City? Yeah, um, obviously the three marks of the church, right? Um, the preaching of the word, the exercise of church discipline, the right administration of the sacraments. Um, and we, we probably see a little bit more of the, the, the stark nature of those marks in our context, just because, you know, uh, the fencing of the table um, is something we take very seriously. And, you know, we want to interview visitors and not just, um, you know, assume their faith. Uh, and in recent uh, months, we've, we've become more convicted and convinced of the necessity of doing that. Um, and as well, church discipline, um, you know, something that we have had to engage, unfortunately, uh, in our context. Um, but beyond those obvious marks, I think, you know, one of the things that we uh, set out, and this is especially uh, true in, in my heart, you know, and in my thinking through of the church plant, um, is is that we never want it to be a church plant, and I never want it to be a church planter that kind of toys with our church order or, you know, a lot of times you see this perhaps in uh, church plants beyond the URC, you know, where the church planter, you know, has kind of a self-entitled view and, and says, you know, what can I get away with here? You know, I'm not a I'm not a, a, an established, so-called established church, and I never wanted that. Uh, I want it to be an, a new old church or, you know, an, an, an old new church uh, or new old church, what have you. But we, I wanted us to be a church that any person, any Christian in the URC around the country, around the world could attend to, you know, could visit 
and uh, if they were staying for a long while, maybe even join and say, this reminds me of my church back home because the word of God is preached because there is worship with reverence and awe because the choir of the congregation is the congregation because there's not a lot of uh, frills or fluff in the worship. There's uh, the centrality of the word. There's a joyful celebration of the sacraments. There is, uh, you know, fellowship uh, that is warm and joyful after um, worship, but the the worship itself is vertically driven, right? We're here. Uh, we haven't come to Mount Sinai. We've come to Mount Zion. We've come to the heavenly city to see God and to hear his son and our savior speak to us. Um, and then also in terms of reform polity, you know, I think that's something that um, has has guided us all these many years that we never wanted to be uh, autonomous or you know congregationalist or what have you. Uh, we wanted to be a church that was URC and reformed in the main, um, just plain vanilla reformed, uh, doing the ordinary ministry uh, that God calls this church to do. And obviously, you know, as you mentioned, you know, that's going to look a certain way. We're going to have a certain kind of person in the pew. You know, we're obviously Jersey City, not California or Canada or, you know, non-American. We are Jersey City. We are American. And yet all of those um, kind of distinctives um, are really held in check because we have a unity with the broader body that is based not on our distinctives, you know, uh, or demographic makeup, but based on the gospel of Christ and the sorts of things that um, ought to unite us in the gospel of Christ, right? So, um, and, you know, I'll just add this uh, also that we've seen in recent uh, years, and, and maybe this is true across the board, you know, with the disruption in society that, uh, you know, COVID and the pandemic and lockdowns and all sorts of things have presented uh, we, we've seen a certain uh, group of dear Christians, you know, um, come and worship with us, fellowship with us, visit us. Um, and, you know, the tendency is to, you know, be flattered and to say, oh, you know, we, we have the truth or we, there's something unique or special about us. Um, and, uh, you know, focus in on that thing that people are drawn to that's not the gospel, it's tangential. It's part of who you are, but it's not the most central thing. And, you know, we've, we've had to say, no, you know, those things, obviously, they're part of our church culture. They're part of our, you know, um, broad belief system. It's in our DNA, but it's not central. And so you may not uh, break fellowship with your church to come to our church for these things, you know. So we've, we've had to, um, speaking of painstaking and long and hard, ministry, we've had to return people back to their churches uh, who have, you know, sought refuge in our church. And again, you know, we, we could easily have grown, uh, I think, in this way, but that, that's not reformed churchmanship. And we want to respect uh, even, even Baptist churches or Calvinistic Baptist churches. We want to respect them. And, uh, you know, if there's something that's off or needs uh, addressing in those churches between the you know leaders and 
their um, members who are visiting us. We do so. We, we, we want to see reconciliation in the body of Christ and not um, a growing of our church because of the wrong reason. So, Excellent. I love how you uh, brought up um, the importance of uh, Reformed polity there. I think that's been one of the things in my experience that's been most eye-opening to a lot of our congregation is that we actually take church government seriously and we think about the pastoral relationship very seriously, as you've noted. And so I'm just wondering now, um, as we start thinking about your transitioning into becoming an organized church that is no longer dependent upon Messiah's Reformed Fellowship for your oversight, uh, would you mind telling us about the um, officers that you've ordained and uh, about the congregation that uh, has now um, taken that great step with you guys? Yeah, uh, we have two good men. Uh, they're godly men, and we're thankful to God for providing them uh, to us. Andre Alves, uh, born and raised in the Brazilian Presbyterian Church, um, and Alfredo Rodriguez, um, who I've known for many years and kind of walked the similar trajectory from Pentecostal to Baptist to Reformed uh, as I did. So thankful to God that, you know, they were uh, in training for, I don't know, three, three and a half years, even before COVID. COVID hit and, you know, training looked a little bit different um, during those months in 2020 and then beyond. Uh, but that, you know, we really settled into a groove and a rhythm of oversight and shepherding um, God's people. So, um, you know, one of the things about reform polity that, and of course, from scripture that we believe and we hold is that God has given uh, gifts to the church. Uh, and these gifts are uh, the offices of um, uh, elder, minister, deacon. And they are the officers who uh, are ordained and installed into those offices. So, you know, one of the things that we've sought to encourage and develop in our congregation is a um, is an expectation that they will be shepherded. Is an expectation that from almost the earliest days, uh, people visit the church and are attending that they're not going to be autonomous, they're not going to be an unknown, you know, uh, person or family in the church. Uh, obviously, you know, we make a distinction between members and even regular attendees, but we want to create that expectation that these, uh, the, these men uh, are here for you to uh, fulfill their duty before God, uh, to shepherd and oversee um, the doctrine and the life of the congregation, and of course, my doctrine and life as well as a minister. So, um, in terms of shepherding, you know, we we do a number of things. Uh, we have home visitations. We're just beginning that actually this next week coming up in October. Uh, we try to talk with everyone on a consistent, regular basis, uh, see how people are doing and um, what's going on in their lives. We've had opportunity as well to, over the years, give special attention to uh, particular persons and families and marriages um, and do you know, extended counseling and, and discipleship, um, you know, kind of one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball over the years. So um, we're, we're looking to grow, obviously, and this is one of the ways we grow um, when um, God's people are shepherded 
and um, God's shepherds, his under-shepherds, shepherd uh, the congregation into, as Ephesians 4 says, into the maturity of Christ, into mature manhood, into, um, uh, into Christ who is the head of his body. So, you know, that's obviously not something that um, is going to uh, be completed or perfected here on earth, but it's certainly something that has begun and needs to be engaged um, you know, in, in our church. So, um, we're, we're happy for where God has brought us. We are desirous of more, uh, spiritual growth and maturation, uh, in, in coming years. So. Very nice. And, uh, thanks for even starting to peek ahead to the future. It's, it's good to hear that you guys are beginning those house visits soon. Those are such a, a joy and a blessing. Um, and, and uh, thinking about growing the congregation, anything else that's ex exciting you about the next chapter, anything that uh, you're especially looking forward to? Yeah, I, I, you know, as a church planter, it, you know, and this is of course true of, of any minister of the gospel, you know, uh, man, man proposes, God disposes, right? And so uh, broadly speaking, we have goals, the, you know, the, the broadest and the most important, obviously, is the spiritual growth of the congregation. Um, but within that umbrella, you know, we have uh, a desire to see God raise more um, leaders from among the congregation, more men for the eldership uh, and men for the diaconate. We, we presently do not have deacons. Um, and we realize that is something that we, we not only would like to have, but we really do need um, uh, as soon as possible. We'd like to see men uh, sent to ministry, uh, to seminary, and on you know, after that to uh, ordained ministry of word and sacrament. So um, we see uh, a great, great uh, harvest field before us. We see uh, many diamonds in the rough, so to speak. Uh, and yet we pray that God would help us to um, disciple and lead uh, the men he has given uh, to the congregation to to know his will and to do his will. And if that be special office, then so be it as well. Um, again, within the broad uh, umbrella of spiritual growth, we have begun to think and discuss and pray what it would look like for us to own our own building uh, we obviously rejoice with you brothers in Cincinnati at God's provision there. And uh, we, we covet, you know, where, where you're at and we do so uh, joyfully in a good way. Um, and, and we would like to have, if, it, if it's God's will, uh, our own facility, our own space. It, uh, we believe it will open up doors for ministry and ongoing uh, ministry, not, a, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week as well. So, we are nowhere near um, entering any kind of contract or, you know, making a bid for any building. It's simply something that in it is in its embryonic uh, stages uh, in terms of just discussing, praying, and thinking through what it would look like for us to have our own building. Um, I do just put this out there uh, as someone who has been intimately aware and familiar with the financial state of our church that we obviously are still in need of um, not only growing um, the congregation's um, 
ownership of the ministry in terms of tithing and internal giving, but uh, we are still dependent heavily on outside uh, support, um, uh, donations from individuals and churches and uh, like-minded uh, organizations. So uh, we are still uh, in need, but we would like to at some point uh, soon not be in uh, need of outside support, but that is where we are uh, right now. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask just to make sure that any of our uh, listeners were able to uh, contribute if they, um, if uh, God was calling them to do so. And just to underline for our listeners the many prayer requests that were just found there within um, Sam's uh, response to what's coming in the future and their hopes and dreams and desires and how they're seeking to uh, bring an organized church into um, a greater sense of maturity of the need for officers, the need for continued growth. I mean, we experience that here in Cincinnati as well, of course. The um, longing for a place to, uh, to to call home. And, you know, to your point, Sam, I mean, we've just been thrilled because like you, uh, I think we're about same time, 10 years in, it's it's hard to, uh, to uh, develop ministry when you don't have a place to call home and a place to work from that's reliably yours and you can put your name on it and have an institution, uh, not just a, a congregation that meets together. And so um, just encourage all of our listeners to be in prayer for this. Uh, we'll put in the show notes page, any kind of a, a link that we can have for how you might be able to uh, donate to Grace Reformed Church. And we certainly thank you, Sam, uh, for your time uh, today. Um, anything else you might want to leave us with um, at, before we close up? I thank you, Zach, for this opportunity to uh, update and sure. inform your your audience about the work and a little bit of the history at Grace Reformed Church. And uh, yeah, to God be the glory and uh, continue to pray for us, brothers, if you would. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, this week's episode of the Sensory Reform Podcast. I'm sure that's been an encouragement to you. Um, do uh, check out our other episodes at sensoryreformed.org. We are sponsored by Westside Reformed Church, uh, westsidereformed.org, and also the uh, fledgling work in uh, Florence, Kentucky, that Pastor Brandon is uh, beginning to um, to lead. And so we uh, certainly um, hope that if you're in the area, you check us out. And if you have any questions or any, want to get in touch with us, uh, feel free to email or find us on Facebook or on the web. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, I am uh, Pastor Zach. Uh, my special guest uh, is Pastor Sam Perez from Grace Reform, Jersey City. Thanks so much for your time. God bless. Bye-bye.